The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. This broadcast from Can Lions is brought to you by Ketchum. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. This is Arun Sudharman, um, and this is the first of our Can special podcasts, which we're bringing to you uh, in conjunction with our partner from Ketchum. And joining us for the first episode on the Monday here on the Quasette, we have two people who also joined us last year, and they have been described to me as two of Ketchum's finest, which uh, I'm sure is true. It's uh, Tara Miller and Ruth Yearly. Um, Tara and Ruth. Tara, I'll come to you first. Uh, Could you both please introduce yourselves, tell us what you do, just so our listeners um, get caught up to speed. Absolutely. My name is Tara Miller, and I'm a partner at Ketchum and a director of strategic and creative planning. I'm headquartered in the Chicago office, um, but I work with clients all around the world. Cool. I'm Ruth Yearly, and I work out of the London office, and I'm the director of Insight and Strategy, which in old money is a planner. Mm, Indeed. Excellent. So you guys are perfectly positioned, I think, to talk about some of the creative trends that perhaps we're expecting to see this year in Cannes. Um, But I wanted to start with a different question. Uh, So this is um, supposed to be a slimmed down Cannes. Uh, Have you seen any evidence of that so far? Do you think there's, there's, there's less going on? Do you feel there's less sensory overload in store for you this year? I think um, I haven't had a chance to go all the way along yet, but what I the sense I get from talking to people is people are here with more intent. Mm. So I think what used to be possibly a bit of a party season is definitely now about insight, elucidation, what I can take back. And very selflessly, I think people are more intent on what they can share with the people who aren't here. So I was very impressed to see the app where you can find out what's going on even if you're not here so for me I think people are more focused in getting something out of it Mm. so the intent is probably slimmed down and not so hedonistic rather than the event I think the event's just going to be as amazing and intense as ever Mm. Tara? Yeah I think one of the things that I've seen is um, a lot of the action away from the palais is extremely competitive with what's happening in the Palais. So Mm. we've got things like the Girls' Lounge and, um, you know, different events along the different beaches, Google Beach, etc. And I think there's a lot of competition there. Um, And it's a a big push-pull to see where you're going to go. Are you going to stay in the Palais? Are you going to end up on a beach and hear a talk there? The talks seem just as compelling outside the Palais as they are inside. Um, so, does, does, Ruth, coming back to you, does this mean that you're not you're not partying this year? Is that is that what I get from reading between the lines? Well, if you read between the lines, and that's what you get, yeah, you can take that. Like I'll take that. that. No comment. It depends if my colleagues are hearing this, in which case, no, clearly I'll be in bed by eight o'clock. By the time they hear this, I think it might be might be the point of no return mm. has been reached. Um, right, let's talk about the creative trends that you're expecting this year in Cannes. Um, anything that sticks out, having having looked at um, the agenda for the week uh, and some of the some of the work that's already starting to show up on the shortlists. 
Well, actually, um, I was a judge ah. of the a PR, and what I'm finding really interesting is the things that we have seen bubbling under for the past few years have now become mainstream. So we all know that can loves a cause, can loves a purpose, but I think that cause and purpose aren't cause and purpose anymore. They're actually very mainstream. They're a table stake for the work. The types of people that we're seeing featured in the work perhaps were marginalised before. So I think that we're seeing, you know, what I call authenticity 2.0. We're seeing more of the real people, more of the real stuff, people with flaws. And I think work that exhibits that, we're going to see more and more of that, mm -hmm. keeping it real. Mm. Tara? Yeah, I mean, I think I would agree with Ruth. I think that, um, you know, it's just we're, we're seeing more of, I would just say, purpose overall, not necessarily, certainly purpose as it relates to a nonprofit organization or a specific, you know, charitable organization, but also just brands having more purpose um, in the work that they're doing. Uh, you know, we certainly are, hope, are hoping to see some success in that area. And, um, uh, you know, it's something that CAN has been doing for a long time. I also am seeing some really interesting um, migration of, I guess I would say, um, art into real life because we've been talking at CAN so much about um, women's issues and gender equality from a marketing standpoint. Mm. And now we're seeing the conversation come through in the real lives of the marketers who are here, mm. which is really interesting. So I, th I think there's some mirroring, m mirroring of art and life. Mm. So some really interesting points there that I'll, I'll try and get to all of them in due course. Um, Ruth, I just wanted to, well actually for both of you, I think, because you both mentioned purpose. Mm. Um, and I wonder what you, your thoughts in particular as a judge, because there has been a little bit of cynicism from these quarters, perhaps, um, about the use of purpose to win awards. Mm. Um, do you feel like it is sometimes just a kind of an empty award-winning tactic or do you feel like there's real substance in the work that you're seeing well it depends doesn't it people don't just do work to win awards people do work to meet their clients brief and to engage with consumers and i think if you take the second of those mm. to engage with consumers now they expect purpose they expect brands to act with integrity they expect brands to reflect their values. So I think that purpose has become something that is demanded in communication mm. and therefore it makes good work, successful work, and then that gets entered for awards. So I'm not cynical enough to say that people build in purpose thinking they're going to get a lion. Mm. I think they build in purpose because it has become a table stake to communicate these days. Mm -hmm. it, you just can't get away with the... Mm -hmm. shallowness of communication without something behind it, without standing for something, because that's what consumers expect mm. in their life, and they want that authenticity in their communication. Tara, do you see brands perhaps jumping on the bandwagon a little bit, and you, you look at what they're doing and you think that that's not the kind of purpose um, 
they should be espousing. That's it, it doesn't chime with what this particular company or brand is known for. Do you see much in the way of those missteps? I'm not going to say that I've seen that. No, I don't. I don't think I have. I think that they're getting probably you know very good counsel from their agencies. I, I will say I think I'm a little more cynical than Ruth is, maybe for once. Mm, um, <laughs> Usually it's the Brit that's more cynical. I know, and yes, we. But but I I do think though. Um, you know, there certainly can be pandering for awards, and um, you know, people um, brainstorming to the point of getting a lion. I completely understand how that could happen. Um, I hope that that Ruth's um, vision is correct, and I and I and and I do believe that is the direction we should be going. And so, if the you know, desired end result of getting a lion is what people are going for, and they accidentally make the world a better place, then that's fantastic too. Mm. Yeah, I think my suspicion, um, given your responses, is that it, certainly in the public relations industry, I don't think you see that kind of let's do this campaign to win a lion. Because um, I don't think uh, PR agencies really have that kind of luxury uh, in terms of the budgets and so on. Um, in the ad industry, uh, I think there may be a different view. But anyway, we can move on from that one. So let's talk about, so both of you mentioned, um, you know, purpose and authenticity in terms of the kind of creative themes that you see emerging. Let's talk about clients for a moment. Um, when it comes to c clients kind of reaching that creative breakthrough and, and um, I mean, for want of a better phrase, signing off mm. on an idea that's actually going to make a change and is actually taking a risk, what do you think they need to do to reach that point? What do you think the obstacles are to getting there? Well, I think that there's a difference between the client that you have and the client as a collective, i.e. the company they work for. Mm. So, you know, any, any planner, anybody who works in an agency will tell you that what we love is a brave client. Mm. And clients do have to be brave. You know, you have to have bravery, you have to have budget. But even if your individual client has that, these days increasingly we're coming up against lawyers. We're, you know, things get stopped later on down the line. And you know, that is the enemy, I think, of, of bravery, is that compliance. But there are still some that go for it. And I think they have a struggle getting things through. So how can we help them? We can make sure that everything is grounded in an insight. I'm a believer, as you know, in a very instinctive insight, but data is the minder at the door of bravery now. If you've got data to show that your insight and your strategy are right, that will help them in the boardroom, that will help them be brave, that will help them get land work that's got a cause, because data is the thing that gets things through, um, and that's how you help them. You make sure that they've got everything they need so that their bravery is substantive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tara? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, and I'll just take it, I guess, a, a, a slightly different direction, and that is that, you know, our companies, um, you know, certainly large corporations, they're already involved in purpose, what I would, I guess, call purpose marketing because they're working with foundations from a corporate brand standpoint, and they all have their, you know, their causes. What they aren't necessarily doing is linking that to their individual brands. Um, and there's kind of a disconnect there. Um, and I think that that could be an interesting way to sell things up the chain to a higher level is, is finding ways to connect the corporate 
the corporate part of the house to the brand part of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is something to Ruth's point, which I think was a really good one about the um, having the lawyers in the room. Mm-hmm. We do a workshop for um, uh, for social agility work, and one of the rules that we have is that we need to have um, the the lawyer in the room um, because as we're going through and deciding which triggers we're going to pull, what decisions we're going to make when it comes to social agility and what we're going to be listening for. Social listening, we need to have the lawyers there so that everybody's on the same page. So we've got, you know, the agencies, the the brand mm. clients, and the lawyers. Everyone is um, looking at each other and nodding their heads or shaking their heads either way, mm. um, which is helpful. So having mm. attorneys in the room early mm. could mm. be a help. And so is that how you get them on board? Well, for this particular workshop, yes. Mm. I mean, I can't say that I've ever been, for instance, in an integrated planning session when there was attorney, an attorney present. Mm. But, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know, getting attorneys involved earlier or, or changing the dynamic, dynamic altogether could be an interesting thing to do. Sure. And I think changing the dynamic of lawyers and procurement in general, mm-hmm. I think they've got really hard jobs yeah. because they are lawyers and procurers, whatever procurers are, accountants. That sounds kind yeah. of vaguely weird. Yeah, so, yeah you know, <laughs> whatever they are, numbers. And they have to really understand what their marketing and communication colleagues do, but also what they're trying to achieve. So again, I think it's really important that in our agency we have creative people at our end who are talking numbers so that they can understand what we're doing and help procurement I think mm. it's very much I think the agency really has to help the client yeah but that's why you have an agency they're specialists mm. and if your accountants in your agency can talk to their accountants and be that bridge between creation purpose cause and money you know you're going to get the best deal and the same with with lawyers they've got a hard job you know, they, they've got to be helped to help their creatives along. Mm. So what happens when you have a great idea? Mm. You know, you're walk, walking to work. That's when you have your best ideas, mm. if, I, if I recall correctly. Um, but you don't have the data to support it. Do you still go ahead and present it to the client? Well, you're... <laughs> it's interesting you're asking me that because I'm a massive believer in my data as you say is the world so as I'm walking to work I'm gathering my data as I'm listening to Radio 4 I'm gathering my data so for me I can you if I have a good idea it is grounded in an insight it just may not be grounded in a Mintel report a or spreadsheet some, absolutely <laughs> so there's two things you can do really I find it relatively easy to use an analogy or a metaphor an example they're human beings so you can show them you know an example from another sphere of life that that reinforces this or then I can work with a brilliant data analytics team to find data so Mm. yes my ideas are grounded in data not necessarily a spreadsheet you're absolutely right but there's all you know what my theory is subjective thought plus google equals mm-hmm. objective thought <laughs> excellent Tara do you, do, you, do you find this a challenge as well in terms of dealing with data spreadsheet obsessed clients my phrase like yours <laughs> I would say that Ruth definitely is the expert when it comes to um, intuitive planning um, you know certainly we, we use data to make our, our points but one of the things that um, I come across 
very often, in, most often in my job, is that I'm planning in concert with other agencies. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a pool of data, if you will. It is insights from you know, an ad agency, uh, insights from um, a media buying agency, from a digital agency, um, and from us. And you know, we pool that thought to come together in, in a best case scenario, I would say, you know, to one conclusion um, that, we, that works for all of us. Mm. Um, you know, we are sometimes handed an insight that might be um, grounded in uh, data, but it is not necessarily a very insightful insight. It's a kind of um, a fact, mm. but um, you know, we can work with that too. So, um, you know, data is ideal to have, but I also believe, as, as Ruth said, I mean, we're all out living our lives. If you have your eyes wide open, then you're experiencing the human condition. Mm. So, Tara, just staying with you, one of the things you mentioned um, early on was about how you're seeing conversations here around gender, mm -hmm. moving on from just being about marketing to actual structural change. Um, and one of the big issues we've seen is that in the advertising industry, uh, you know, creative, the creative roles are, are still dominated by men, um, especially towards the top. Do you find that, um, do you find a similar issue when it comes to the public relations industry? Uh, simply put, no. Mm. Um, okay. I, do, I don't think it is as prevalent. Um, you know, at, at Ketchum, we have a female global CEO. Um, you know, R R Ruth is a senior creative, I'm a senior creative, our, our head of creative planning is a woman. Um, and we have a lot of peers here who are, who are um, creative leaders who are women. Our chief communications officer is a woman. So um, I certainly don't see it at Ketchum. And I think generally it's not, potentially not as prevalent mm -hmm. um, in PR as advertising. That's not an, an educated, that's just kind of my, my feeling about it. Mm. Um, but I definitely, understand what is happening in the advertising agencies and um, empathize with that and I think it's important to have the conversation um, I'm looking forward to that we were just talking about this at dinner I'm looking forward to the day when we don't have to have the conversation anymore but for today it's important and um, and I you know it's it's the joke we talk about when you see you know um, everybody going up to accept their lions on the big stage and it's mm. like you know six men and one woman or you know the, it, it still feels very token so I'm looking forward this year to see if there's more diversity on the stage accepting the awards even mm. if it is just for show that's that's starting something mm. yeah Ruth your views on that yeah, that's a whole other podcast for me. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Sounds <laughs> you like know, you have well, a lot to say. Yeah, if you're not yes. outraged, you're not paying attention, seriously. Um, I think the UK statistics that came out on the gender pay gap tell you everything you need to know. Never mind roles, never mind lip service. Give us the money that our men are earning. I don't want to earn 20% in the pound less than a man because I'm not 20% less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, so I want to move on a little bit to um, some questions around your, I guess your careers as planners. I wouldn't mm -hmm. say planners are, you know, an endangered species in the PR industry um, because, uh, you know, there's, there's several of you around. But I would, I, from my observation, it hasn't really... Um, you know, so we started seeing planners coming in maybe 10 to 15 years ago in terms of these roles being created, but there hasn't been the deluge of planners at agencies. 
um, in the way that I think many people expected. Ruth, you're looking at me like I'm completely wrong, which wouldn't be the first time <laughs> at all. I looked at you like that, or you were wrong. <laughs> uh, no, no, no uh, well, uh, maybe both. Uh, so, do you want to? I mean, do you want to challenge the premise of the question? I actually, uh, I ran. A, we ran a story about this. Yeah. I think around a year ago or so, where we were talking about why planning hasn't um, kind of embedded itself in. PR agencies in the way that it has ad agencies. So is that, the, is that a false comparison to make? Well, I don't think you can throw a stone in any office now who, and find somebody who hasn't got strategy or insight in their title. Mm. That's what I find, whether they're a data strategist, a data insight, a social strategist. I think everybody, to, your, <laughs> to the counterpoint to you, thinks they're a planner. So, oh yeah, everyone yeah. does. Yeah, <laughs> everybody. Thinks Such an easy job. <laughs> it's so easy. Now. That's why we earn twenty percent less than everybody else. It's, sometimes I just do it before I come to work, yeah. as you know. I, mean, you, yeah, exactly. I, I just do it while I'm walking along. It's How so hard easy. It it's really easy. You don't but, need a spreadsheet. <laughs> I barely need a desk. Um, so I think I agree with you. There are less people with the title planner. I wonder if there's less people in the whole of communications with the title planner. I think everybody has unpacked planning um, and taken the part of it they like. So my title is Insight and Strategy um, because I love insight and I I find strategy relatively easy. Mm -hmm. So I think what's happened is whilst there may be less strategy um, and planning departments, I think that that way of thinking has spread through everybody so Mm. when I joined public relations it and I've been doing it a long time now people went straight to the idea they didn't sometimes didn't even go to the idea they went straight to their Rolodex (laughs) you know how can I get this person yeah how can I work with Keanu Reeves how can I that's where they went that and then that all changed and everybody understood that they had to have something that was based in research be that the world or a spreadsheet have an insight a strategy before they got to creative and because we've made everybody realize that that's how you get great work everybody now thinks like a planner mm. so it's not separated out as much but i would have said planning is alive and well planners are everybody right okay that's that's a really interesting way to look at it i think tara your view yeah i um and, and I, I'm having a hard time telling what Ruth's uh, feeling about that trend <laughs> is, but I will say that I actually, I, <laughs> I um, am, am glad for it because uh, we are, <clears throat> I know Ruth, I know, we are, I mean, you know, w- listen, our budgets are smaller than advertising agencies' budgets. Mm. Um, you know, we want to get paid for our planning um, because, you know, you're buying our ideas in addition to our expertise and activating the ideas, but um, we do it on a smaller budget. And I'm just one person. In our office, we have um, you know, a handful of strategic and creative planners, but it's my goal to educate all of our account people, or you know, a good number of our account people, so that they, I don't want them to take my job, but I want them to be able to understand it enough that we can kind of share the burden if I want to call it a burden, but share the job of planning so that everyone understands it. Mm. They don't need to understand it equally as a specialist like I do. But um, if I am a client, I want my client director to fully understand, you know, the insight strategy, 
behind the creative. I think that's really important. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's I, I I love sharing sharing the job of planning. Mm. Okay, last question for both of you before you you melt completely <laughs> out here. Um, the best idea you ever had that didn't happen. Tara's just shaking her head at this at this question. You don't want to. You've never had a, a, a I've great never idea. Had a best had. idea. No, <laughs> no, I don't. You know. Uh, you don't want to put it on record. No. I, do you have one for Ruth? me? It was a, it's about the having the idea at the wrong time. Mm. So it comes right back, Arun, to where we started about people being brave and people being ready. So I'm fascinated by this whole trend to um, gender neutrality towards people not identifying as one thing or another. And about four years ago now, I had lots of thoughts about labels and I was working pitching for a jeans brand labels are for jeans not for people mm. great idea they weren't brave enough to do it my colleagues weren't brave enough to do it now I see it everywhere mm. so for me that idea has happened but it has I, I had it too early mm. almost. you were ahead of but your time they're <laughs> your words, not mine. But I think that's when I think I am most frustrated when the idea that you have, A, you see someone else do it and you see them do it later. And that, I find, that galls me. Mm. It still irks you. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Luckily we're on the radio so people can't see my face. <laughs> Yeah. I think they could tell. Yeah, a little Don't bit worry. bitter. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we always know her Ruth stands. <laughs> yeah. Tara, anything from you? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but I will just relate it to something that's happening today. I think that, um, you know, we've seen, um, certainly at Cannes, outside of Cannes as well, um, if you talk about ideas whose time have come, mm. um, more taboo topics being addressed, or things that might even be uncomfortable. Um, I saw a, a poster in the Palais just before I came over here that about a session, something about getting comfortable about talking about cancer, getting un uncomfortable about talking about cancer, but you know, getting mm. being able to have the conversation, and certainly the Libres work that we've been doing um, using real menstrual blood is, you know, something that some people would consider consider to be taboo, and certainly an on the edge idea, um, but. Yes, I've had ideas in the past who, that um, were, I would call, cheeky and maybe on the edge, but um, the client just wasn't ready for it. And um, we do have a lot of conservative clients, and it's my job to push them, but also to understand mm -hmm. um, you know, where they're coming from and their stakeholders. So I have to be responsible for that as well. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you both very much. This was um, lively and as entertaining as always. Um, and I hope you both have a great week here in Cannes. And you too. Thank, thank you, you very much, Arun. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Thanks also to Ketchum for bringing this special series of podcasts to you from Cannes Lions.